welcome to another edition of Look Who's Talking and a very special one in being our 150th anniversary of Christchurch edition. I'm Anna Larkin and here on the show this month I have regulars Stephen Kurt. Hello. And Nathan Larkin. Hey there. And our special guest for this month, John Henson. Hello. In this edition, we'll be talking all about our 150th celebration and what happened on that special day. We'll also be talking about history and church life and what we can learn from it. And then in addition, we'll be talking about the church and money, um, the group Men at Home, and finally, what's coming up at Christchurch as we approach Christmas. But let's start with the 150th celebration, which was on the 4th of December, Sunday mm. the 4th of December. I think I'm right in saying that the actual anniversary was the was the Saturday, the mm-hmm. 3rd. Yep. Um, but the nearest Sunday was chosen for the party that we had. So, Nathan, if I come to you first, what would yeah. you single out as being noteworthy about the day? Oh, well, where do you start? <laughs> um, wow, I mean, there was just uh, so much going on from the from the incredible displays up the side of the of the history of the church to you know all the memories of people on the walls personally i you know i've only been here eight years so it was it was fascinating to meet people and mm. even in the eight years i've been here meet people coming back to the church that i yeah. haven't seen in a long time um but yeah, things like the fancy dress was was <laughs> great fun. And of course, well, people really responded to that, didn't they? They did. They yeah. did really sort of, you know. We had we had everything represented from kind of oh, wow, Dick and Chloe Waller as yeah. Uh, I think they really uh, took the biscuit, didn't they? Yeah. Dick and yeah. Chloe. So they, they came as the oddsmans, basically. <laughs> I, I honestly, I walked into church and looked, had the double takes. I thought, did did Ozzy Osbourne used to come to Christchurch? It was yeah, absolutely. Incredible. And there were suffragettes, Anna. You were there as a suffragette. I was. That's the most effort I've ever put into a costume. Yep, yeah. Yeah. Very, very good. It, it was suited very you. impressive. I don't mm. really do fancy dress. Yeah. <laughs> it did reveal to me slightly that, you know, perhaps we haven't moved on as, as much as we had. I think some people are maybe a little uncomfortable looking at suffragettes yeah, today. That's true. Still, mm. but we ought to explain, though, it was uh, people were asked to come as anything from the last 150 years. Yeah. Um, so that could that included the present. So those who chose not to, that was okay. Um, but <laughs> A uh, lot of the young people chose to come as the present, unfortunately. That's right, I, did, I did try to push it. But I saw a Spider-Man as well. Yes, there were, there, <laughs> there, were, there were two Spider-Men in Scramblers. There's uh, always a Spider-Man, yeah, right. whether yeah. it be Nativity yeah. or the <laughs> But yeah, um, you know, just so many people really got into the spirit of it. And I think that's the thing that, that left the most sort of lasting impression with me was, uh, was the atmosphere and mm. how many people really wanted to be there. And yeah. um, hearing stories from the past, sharing, um, sharing food, sharing memories. So yeah, it was just a brilliant day. Um, so John if I come to you next um, you've been at Christchurch a really long time and I think Joe, your wife has been coming to Christchurch even longer than you have she certainly has yeah. um, <laughs> so, so what did you enjoy about the day well I think it was the fact that uh, a lot of old friends had come back uh, living in Rosebury Avenue we've had curates come and go yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, you know to see the, the genders mm-hmm. uh, to see how Nigel is is moving on in the Church of England, where at the time he left, I think he was despairing a bit of the uh, of his future in the Church of England. Oh, really? Uh, and <laughs> then, uh, you know, Jeff Morn and yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, there were quite a number, weren't there? Know, um, Glenn Glenn Watt yeah, came Glenn, back as well, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Glenn hadn't hadn't lived there, but uh, mm. I'm trying to remember who else had, but certainly the the Westons. Yep. Uh, and to find that my uh, my old office desk was still being used by one of them. So oh, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't that realize was encouraging, that. encouraging, yes. Yeah. 
Yes, because the church has owned Rosebery Avenue since 1973, I yeah. think, hasn't it? Yes. And so Jeff Morn lived in there at the end of the 70s, and Paul Weston in the 80s, and Nigel Genders in the 90s. And were all these people there? I mean, that's they the were, yeah. thing I keep hearing about even more and more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, yeah. Who oh, we had, we had a lot to. of... Um, I mean, Peter Coombs, who was vicar here, 68 to 75, uh, he was the only ex-vicar here. But we had Sheila Short, who whose husband was vicar from 76 yeah. to 90, John Short. Uh, she was there. And I got a lovely uh, letter from Sheila Short just yesterday uh, saying about how much she enjoyed the day and judging the best costume competition. And she was quite chuffed to be asked to cut the, the cake. Um, Cheryl Floyd made this wonderful cake, didn't she? Oh, of Christchurch yeah. in 1866. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was much appreciated. So, Stephen, I want to ask you particularly about the... In the in the main church, everybody who was there will have noticed there was an, an mm. exhibition, an amazing exhibition oh, yeah. of all kind of the history of Christchurch, and there were also lots of names on bricks all yeah. over the walls. So what were they about? Well, the, the idea with the bricks was that a, at the anniversary of a church, um, it's very important to remember the people. Um, to not just remember the overall leaders of the church or changes to the buildings at various stages. So the idea occurred to me um, a couple of months ago to get people to write down memories of um, past members of Christchurch, both those who've died, those who are still around. Um, and uh, then uh, the idea came along to put them on bricks. And I think originally I thought there might be a sort of outline of a church with all these bricks forming it, but in the end we did away with the outline of the church idea. And we, Stephen, just we should mention Stephen had some <laughs> of the most outrageously ambitious ideas for this. <laughs> we, we, in the, we in the office and in the, in the design kind of side of things were, we're kind of just looking at them for months like, uh, nice idea. Yeah, I come up with an idea, I tell Nathan to design it. But, we, <laughs> but, but I think that was quite moving. I mean, I think you found that quite moving, didn't you, John? The... The, the the bricks that were there, yes, particularly yes. of people no longer uh, alive. Yeah, and it was good to read a bit more about some of the church wardens who'd uh, come before me and come since me and uh, various comments on them. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, I tried to get a comment on every church warden. So in the parish histories, uh, of which there are a couple, uh, there were some good comments, not many of them, but a few comments about church wardens. Um, and about I thought you meant not many good comments. No, 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 no they, were, they were all good. Um, but I did. I asked people for comments, including including John and Joe. I asked for comments, didn't I, about David Burton and Reg Ellis, yes, who were yes. church wardens for forty years and thirty-seven years, respectively. Um, because you know that is the longest that anyone's been. It's just it's hard to fathom. You know, I'm only I'm sorry, only 30, thirty years and twenty-seven years. I should have said. Oh, sorry. Um, That's as long as I've been alive. Almost. Yeah, no, it's extraordinary. It's crazy. And yeah. and it's really important to sort of mark that contribution that people have made uh, to the life of Christchurch mm. and the exhibition. I really enjoyed doing as well. I mean, without realizing it, I'd been collecting stuff for this anniversary for around about thirteen years because historical stuff to do with Christchurch that I'd come across, I tended to file away um, and sort of, you know, file quite carefully. Um, and then about three or four months ago, I thought, you know, we could have a sort of exhibition of the history of Christchurch. And photography would have only started around about 150 years ago. Mm. So it's quite sort of quite a good time span, really, for making sure we've got photographic evidence. Um, and that was something people seem to really enjoy. Yeah, and as well as all of the um, former members of Christchurch who came back, um, a few that uh, were around too long ago to have come back, we got people to dress up as, didn't we? We did. So, um, so Rob Shrimpton played the role of Charles Sterling. Yep. And he had a great costume. Yeah, I mean, the very first the vicar National of Christchurch. We both went to the National Theatre together 
And uh, also, because Rob's got so much facial hair, uh, I thought he was the person who could be persuaded to shave it into rather luxurious he Victorian sideburns. Back, no, absolutely. <laughs> I think he's still got it. He's them. still got it. Yeah, he looks more like a sort of Victorian workhouse owner, really. <laughs> yes. uh, and then Andy Black dressed up as William Allen Chalakoum, the second vicar. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was great. They threw themselves into I, it. I did think it was funny that we had the second vicar of Christchurch on the drums during the service. <laughs> <laughs> and I was dressed as Brian Green, the uh, curate of Christchurch in 1924 to 1928, who started King's Own, which was this amazingly successful youth group, essentially, and Bible class yeah. that uh, Christchurch had for many years that influenced just hundreds and hundreds of young people. Um, so that was a bit of a tribute to him, really. He later went on to be vicar of Holy Trinity Brompton and then vicar of St. Martin's and the Boring in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. One of my favourite comments I read when people were gathering the comments beforehand um, was about um, Catherine Evans' husband, mm-hmm. Noel. Noel, yeah. Dan, and, and at the time he was running some of the youth work mm, at church. Pathfinders, he was. Uh, and in 1966, uh, he had uh, a group of the boys go into the vicarage to watch the 1966 oh, uh, wow. World Cup final. And wow. I, I just thought, you know, it's a long time ago, but, um, I didn't but hear not that much story. changes, you know. Right, it's with a, Uncle yeah. Lou. Yeah. yeah, Llewellyn Roberts, who was vicar from 58 to 68, he'd have been the, yeah. the vicar at the time. And you remember him quite well, don't you, John? Yes, Llewellyn Roberts, quite yes, a character, I think, yes. wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's thinking about suggestive Christmas presents. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what was that then? What was? Well, he wanted to say a suggested Christmas present, but it came out as suggestive. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there were quite, yeah, there were quite a few, didn't he, um, yeah, didn't he say that a dehumiliator was needed for the vestry hall with something a like dehumidifier that. or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he'd get his... Uh, his uh, I think he was quite fluent in the pulpit, wasn't he? He but was he had really, a speech yes, impediment. He had this impediment which did overtake him at times. But, uh, and he couldn't say Westminster, could he? Westminster. Westminster, yeah. So it was, a great, it was a great time to share sort of memories. Yes. I thought one of the lovely stories that were shared, which I hadn't heard was when Sheila Short said that when she and John and the family moved into the vicarage in 1976, they found hung up a school uniform with a letter from Peter and Catherine Coombs saying that their daughter no longer uh, needed it, but they knew that John's daughter was going to the same school, and so they could make use of it if they wanted to. And that was very moving, Mm. because I don't think anyone knew that. Um, So when Sheila Short shared that story, that was a lovely... To me, that's... That's sort of personal. Yeah, really uh, interesting yeah. history that is. Very yeah. personal yeah. because I think that tells a huge amount in just one sort of short anecdote. Mm. Yeah. And then, of course, after the service, there was um, a big lunch as well. Yeah, not, not to be forgotten was the huge amounts of work put in by um, the newly formed funk committee. And yeah. Or reformed funk committee. Yeah. And yeah, so just brilliant. To see so off, many people they? working their socks off all day. You kind of see their faces handing over the. Um, uh, Prosecco and mm. Bucks Fizz and yeah no people working in the kitchen that I didn't see all day and yeah, yeah just really grateful well I think what made it quite hard work uh, was it was continuous you know yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't just a, a big sort of yeah there was a continuous serving up of stuff um, but I think you know one of the moving things about the 150th for me was the way that everyone seemed to catch the sense of history and importance of it so you had relatively new members of Christchurch I think really recognising that 150 people coming back from the past to a church said quite a lot. Mm. And I think there was quite a spirit of wanting to serve those people and look after them. 
Yeah. The other thing I thought was great was that scramblers still oh, met yeah. on the morning, but they had a Victorian Sunday school, they did. didn't they? And they all had mm. slates. And yeah, yeah, boys and girls this, sat separately. I think yeah. this was Ross Sinsbury's brainchild. It was, it was yeah. just, uh, yeah, great mm. to see them being so creative. So many people were so creative, weren't yeah. they? Did you enjoy that bit, John, when they came back into the church, the yes, scramblers? Yes, it, uh, I won't say it brought back memories for me. <laughs> <laughs> We had gone a bit beyond that stage. Yeah, so you weren't using there. slates and chalk. No, no, <laughs> we did we did have some slates for something, but I can't remember what it was now. But one of the interesting things about the sort of the history side of things is that you know pathfinders used to be separate for the boys, separate for the girls, mm. and um, you know right into the 1950s. And we can then go through a period where we think, well, that's not the way to do it. The way to is to mix everyone up. But it is interesting that we've got girls' night in on Wednesday evening. Yeah. We've got urban nights for boys. So one of the interesting things I think about when you get to grips with uh, Christchurch's history in this case is you see that quite a lot of things do come round again. Yeah. yeah. And it's not necessarily quite mm. as... Uh, well, history has a habit yeah. of repeating itself, yeah, doesn't it? Exactly. You know, you see these kind of cycles and, and yeah. things coming round. But I thought that Scrambler's bit was inspired and little hats that I think Jenny Cropper had made for them all. Yeah, yes. so um, cute. And... Um, and actually, the interesting thing was the children did see... When I went into the uh, Christchurch school and talked about the 150th and, and talked about there was a time when children would have had to have been quiet in church, some of them were horrified. <laughs> they thought this went home and told their mums. It's not you even know. like you're talking about the 1900s. There was a time yeah. you know, when I was a kid that I had to be quiet in church. Right. It's not, it's yeah. not like... That's uh, true. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, um, going on a, onto a similar subject, but broadening out slightly... Um, we're going to talk about the value of history more generally in church life. Um, so do you think it's important that members of a church have some idea of its history? And if yes, then why? What's the benefit of it? Mm. Uh, so Stephen, I'll come to you first. I know that history is very important <laughs> to you in every aspect yep. of your life. Do you think it should be important to the rest of us at church? I think so. I think so. Because, I mean, to give one example, uh, the lounge was built or finished in 1981, and there was a lot of work that went into the lounge over many years. It was first sort of proposed, various ideas were taken back and forth. Um, but in the end, um, you know, a hugely sacrificial sum of money was raised, £350,000 in 1981 money. Yeah. is just staggering. Um, and so to me, that's one of the most obvious examples of, um, you know, if we're going to use that lounge and we're going to be... Um, get its benefits, then I think to be aware of those who gave it and the sacrifices that involved, including taking down, you know, the north side of the church that was quite striking. And so so I think having those pictures up in that exhibition, I think, helped people realise just how much they were inheriting. But even more important than the buildings, I think, is the legacy of commitment. So when you see those photographs of King's Own with just hundreds of young people from the yeah. 50s and 60s, I think what happened was that people relatively... Uh, new to Christchurch were able to see that a lot of the things that we've got at this church now that we're grateful for are not just because people work hard in the present but because for 150 years people have been investing yeah. in this church it's kind that's of like that idea of standing on the shoulders of giants absolutely or, that's yeah. why we've got such terrific buildings I mean every single generation of this church's history has been a building project uh, in order to improve the church for its ministry and mission uh, and that just simply hasn't happened in a lot of churches Mm. Um, often churches have been let go and you know whatever a vicar or a congregation might want to do they're held back by the buildings and that's hardly ever the case here yeah mm. um, and I do think also the stories um, 
are are important as well, um, including the tragedies um, that have happened. Yeah. Um, you I mentioned th- some of those in this. Uh, yeah, I mean the Sunday. death of John Pendlebury, who was curate in charge of St John's, uh, who was the second curate in charge of St John's, and heard a bomb falling towards his house, pushed his baby daughter and wife under the table, and they they lived to tell the tale, and he died. Um, and you know that's a relatively well-known story because John's picture is at St John's. But the second vicar of Christchurch, William Chalacombe, whose son survived the First World War, but through the rest of his life had terrible the terrible effects of shell shock. Yeah, I think that's another. You know, and not just the clergy stories. You know, there are plenty of others as well. Mm. Um, but preserving them and passing them on, um, and it means, for instance, that when people look at the stained glass windows, they will know that they're in memory. I mean, one of the stained glass windows is in memory of a woman called uh, Catherine Elizabeth Bunn who ran the Sunday school or part of the Sunday school for 46 years well, from 1909 to 1955 is that longer than a life sentence in prison well absolutely yeah <laughs> I mean Joe may have known her John's wife Joe may have known uh, yes, Mrs I mean, Bunn she did just yes yeah so, yeah, I do think the history is important. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I surprised to hear that? Yeah. <laughs> so, John, if I come to you next, um, well, first of all, do you agree with Stephen? Um, do you think it's important that people know things like the names of all the vicars that have been here or the years and dates of things? Um, or, or do you think that it, it, what we should have is a more general interest in understanding in, in where the church has come from and how it's grown? Well, I think really what, what you said at the end is, is the vital thing. Uh, knowing the people is also good. Uh, you know, I think in terms of people we've already mentioned, David Burton and Reg Ellis, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and also Ian Young and George Lee, who, yep. uh, who were uh, good examples to me uh, as to how to uh, act as a church warden when my time came for that. And, uh, you know, I think we've, we've learnt a lot from them, which we need to pass on to the next generation so that's my concern that uh, mm. you know they're fired with the same enthusiasm that uh, came about at that time yes George Lee who was headmaster wasn't he of the school as well as being a church warden he at was, Church, yes. wasn't he yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. And, yeah. and it was very interesting when Trevor Webster said to me that George Lee who ran a bible study uh, which his son Ben was in Trevor's son Ben was in yeah. and how it influenced massively a whole load of um mm. Of, of young people um, and Ian Young was church warden for 11 years wasn't he I think yes. yeah. mm. so Nathan I'm going to come to you now um, you've yeah. worked at Christchurch for most of the last decade Yeah. Um, is the history of Christchurch important from your point of view um, so especially in terms of youth work did all the pictures of the King's Own Bible class from the 50s and 60s things like that do you think that has anything to say to Christchurch today well I'll, I'll admit this is actually the, the whole um celebration has been quite challenging to me because I come from a tradition I guess for want of a better word that doesn't really respect tradition very much that's just kind of suspicious of tradition Mm. and is almost anything you know that is done other than you know if it's scriptural and you know but but traditions is not something that I've been brought up to hugely um Mm respect or but this has really challenged me in in for all of the things that we've been talking about you know to see those pictures of youth work in Christchurch in the past and um and to to realize that you know we're part of something much bigger you know Mm -hmm. when we when we join in um 
with confessions, when we join in with prayers in church, when we join in mm. uh, in so many parts of, of the liturgy and all sorts of things that, that we're joining in, not only with the, the church around the world and something bigger than, but, but that we're joining in with the church in history and yeah, and, uh, the ages, yeah. and yeah, uh, so I've I find it really um, encouraging and really challenging and and yeah, I I think it's important to know that we're part of something bigger. Mm. It can be so easy, especially for young people, um, just because that's mm. that's a, a kind of a part of being young mm. is is um, developing that ability to mm. to look outside of yourself. You know, is, is something that happens as they grow older. Um, well, you know that program, Who Do You Think You Are, on yeah. TV? Well, I wanted it to be a little bit like that. Mm. So that, yeah. you know, people at Christchurch would think, oh, this is who we're related to. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and that sort of, much, you know, with the same sort of emotional pull exactly. that it has, we, doesn't it? We can't whitewash the past. You know, there's things that we yeah. learn from the past that, that we don't want to repeat ever again. And yeah. there are things that we um, can forget about the past that we should be challenged by and want to pick up mm. again and do more of. So, yeah. Um, it can be very easy to, to think about the past and think, oh, everything was perfect yeah. back then. And um, and so, no, I'm certain there's things that we do now that is as good as Christchurch has ever mm. done it. Yeah. I, I'm confident about that, but I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater no. and I don't want to be accused of being guilty of that at all. You know, I really... Um, so, yeah, I was really challenged to, to delve a bit deeper in and look at uh, some of the things that, that yeah. have gone on here before and see what we can learn about it. And Well, I ordered a book just this week off Amazon, which is just so wonderful that you can get anything for £1.50 often. <laughs> and Brian Green, the, the curate in the 20s who started King's Own, uh, wrote a book called The Practice of Evangelism in 1951. And, you know, I've been reading it through, and it's been really challenging. Uh, it says things in lots of ways that we'd probably understand rather differently today. But there is a enormous conviction and energy behind the book and an absolute determination that people should come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And while there are lots of other things it could say, it's incredibly convicting yeah. on the the energy and and strength. C.S. Lewis was himself. very, very firm on this. He 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 said mm. that um, for every modern book that yeah. anyone read, in particular theology, yeah. um, that you should read an ancient yeah, book or an yeah, old, uh, yeah. a book from a century not yeah, yours which yeah. uh, which is um yeah, I, I, yeah. something that i I'm, yeah. I'm certain i don't do but um but it's challenging yeah, yeah it is it is um well we'll move on now and talk about the next issue which is the church and money so Stephen, i'm going to come to you first um why is it that people are so uncomfortable about this subject <laughs> yeah it is a uh, a subject that's rather uncomfortable to deal with uh, john knows a lot about the church and money so i'll be interested to hear what he says about it in a moment but i think the reason it's tricky is because a lot of people will want to avoid um what is basically the truth which is that the money that's needed to run Christchurch overwhelmingly comes from direct giving from the congregation. I think quite a lot of people hope, rather hope, it comes from, I don't know, investments or central church <laughs> funds or from renting out the building. But it doesn't. Uh, it overwhelmingly comes from direct giving. And so sometimes people will say, well, why don't we do this as a fundraiser? And they won't realize that at the most it can raise is a very small amount of what we actually need. Um, but it is at the heart of what Christian discipleship is all about. Um, and um, there are all sorts of things we need just to heat the church uh, each week, uh, particularly in winter, costs a great deal of money. Uh, all the resources that are needed for our children's and youth work. Yeah. Um, you know, the expenditure on, on the salaries for our paid members of staff. Um, 
so there's a great deal of money which is needed, uh, quite a few thousand pounds a week really, uh, to keep Christchurch running, um, and it has to come from direct giving from the congregation. Yeah. Um, so, John, if I come to you next, you've been involved in finance at Christchurch in the past, but you've also been involved in finance within Southwark Diocese for a long time as well. Um, so how important is the giving that goes out from Christchurch to other churches? Because of the money that comes in, we pay some of it out to other churches, yeah. don't we? We do indeed. Uh, I, I go back again to think of Peter Coombs, who, uh, when he was not archdeacon, persuaded me that I would be good to be on the Darson Board of Finance. He was looking for people who could support uh, John Smallwood, the then chairman, uh, you know, people who were coming from evangelical churches and uh, wanted to encourage uh, more of us to get involved in this. And, uh, you know, we saw how uh, churches were struggling to, uh, uh, to maintain an Anglican presence in their part of the diocese, which obviously uh, is the aim uh, everywhere uh, mm. to have a, an Anglican church within reasonable distance, and uh, you know we were uh, we were trying to find ways of improving the giving from the parishes who could afford it to enable those who were struggling to uh, to move forward. Uh, there was one church in Streatham which uh, had to meet in their hall because it was too expensive. To, to run the church building. So, uh, hmm. you know, we were going from that sort of area. And, uh, you know, it taught us a lot about uh, the need to support them as we were able. And uh, it brought me back to my own uh, uh, personal challenge that I'd had when I started work to uh, to regard my income as being equivalent probably of about 90% of what I was getting so that the rest, you know, was already earmarked for uh, for Christian giving. So, uh, you know, we wanted churches to be encouraged to, to spread this idea across, mm. yeah. across the diocese. Do you think on that, John, I mean, I mean y you know, all of us here were brought up, I think, in Christian families. I think you were as well. Is that right, John? Yeah. Um, and things like giving can be quite nurtured yeah, as, yeah. as, well, as you, you grow up. Modeled, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it's quite a challenge about how we put that across to to people to give realistically yes for whom just think well just where on earth are you coming from yeah. in asking for that sort of <laughs> amount of money really yeah i mean I, I wrote something probably 15 years or more ago uh, on this subject uh, you know which was really indicating what was the fact that people who who come become christians when they're uh, you know already uh, well committed to a lot of other things, yep. uh, will have difficulty in uh, getting anywhere near the sort of level that I would uh, envisage they would want to be at. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's a way of moving on to that uh, over a number of years, really, that uh, I would like to continue to encourage. Yeah. So you think starting, you know, starting small and, and growing is, is the way to, to encourage I think it? so, yes. I think people want to think, you know, I mean, if they ever get an increase in income, uh, you know, to be challenged to start moving forward in their giving as well. Mm. Mm. So um, although you're not kind of directly involved in the finance of the church now, you are on the PCC and you do have an understanding of, of um, the financial needs of the church. What do you think is the state of our giving now? 
Well, I, I'm, I'm rather saddened that we, we did have to reduce it considerably in the last few years. Uh, you know, and I think... Uh, this is the amount we give to the diocese. The amount we yeah. give to the diocese. And, uh, you know, it's, it's facing facts that we have a large number of, of new members, really. But, uh, you know, I think we should be working towards, uh, you know, improving on that situation, uh, probably not to the sort of level that it had reached under the mm. Verisher scheme, but uh, to uh, to move, certainly, to, to more support for... Yeah, it's places which are more needy. Yeah, but what about the money that is given um, to Christchurch for use at Christchurch um, here, rather than being sent out elsewhere? Do you um, do you feel that we have that we're getting enough money in overall? Um, do you think that the church is being held back? Do you think it's about right? What What's your feeling on that? Well, I think on on money given for for work in the church, we're we're probably fairly well on the way, but. Uh, you know, I, th I think we should review the situation uh, whenever we're able to uh, in the light of changes in, in our needs and other people's needs. Yeah, when we have an appeal for a certain amount of money for, say, doing the new toilets, that tends to come in fairly, fairly easily. Of course, you don't know how many people it comes from necessarily or, mm. or whether it's the same people who are giving regularly already. Um, and I think... Uh, sort of trying to emphasize the idea that it's good to give to the church so that it can be spread out and given to other churches is is quite a tricky task to get over yeah. to people and we you know we've we've been working on it for some years but it appears to be quite counterintuitive to people and I, I think especially yeah. at, um in recent years there have been lots of scandals lots of charities involved in scandals about mm. the way that their money is spent and i think in terms of giving to the church when there is a very um obvious appeal like yeah. you know uh redoing the toilets yeah people know exactly what their money is going to they can see they've seen they saw the state of the toilets beforehand they yeah. knew it needed doing yeah and um and that was something they obviously felt that they could get behind and um i think in general there is a, a level of distrust lately um, surrounding what charities do For with money, Chari charities that, that are kind mm. of further away that you're less connected with, send you know people are a bit more reluctant, I think, generally to send yeah. money off to places where they don't know exactly what it's spent on, <coughs> where it goes, what it are we yeah. are you know are we paying for some people in a stuffy office somewhere to have nicer biscuits than we eat yeah. at home? I know. Or part, is it actually doing something worthwhile? Part of me thinks they're very valid questions, but I think there also is an element we mustn't get away from that it is about giving our money to God. So yeah. we've got to be really responsible and and ask searching questions of how the money's uh, spent. Yeah, we don't want it to be unaccountable. But yeah, we don't. Yeah, but but I think um, if we just give to things that we would decide to give it on, I think yeah. we lose something yeah. of the importance of Christian giving. Mm. I think um, one thing we might remember: we're we're getting new church buildings at uh, very low cost to us mm. uh, you know is this a time when we should think of a project somewhere that we could uh, we could support yeah uh, mm. you know yep. like uh, i mean if if building goes ahead at redmire for the Jonas center you know could we have a major thrust on uh, on meeting uh, some of the cost of that yeah and actually at the minute we're um you know the mission committee have been talking about all sorts of new yep. different uh, ventures and projects and exciting yep. ways that uh, we can and I, I think there is a there is something to that you know growing up with a i don't know sort of um 
this the blue peter kind of uh, totalizer, totalizer mm. kind of idea where people very tangibly see something that they're giving to and what it goes to i, I completely agree that christian giving should be more and mm. uh and we should understand that we're giving to god and that it's not necessarily just about what i what i want or what i value but um there is something about knowing what a project is that, yeah. that can excite people, I guess, yeah. at least enough into yeah. to making a change. Yeah. So another thing that um, can be quite a contentious issue is the level of confidentiality surrounding mm. giving yeah. at church. Um, so um, there were lots of very strong arguments, both for and against. Um, so Stephen, if I come to mm. you first, um, what is your feeling on the level of confidentiality surrounding the well, giving? Well, yeah, I mean... I think there's a very strong emphasis that what people give should be confidential and even whether people give at all should be confidential. Um, a few years ago, the PCC decided that I should know which people are part of the regular giving scheme, but not how much they give, which is, I think, what I, what I agree with. Um, but it's the most difficult area of church life to challenge anyone on because well, it's just not very accountable. Is yeah, it? it's very, very unaccountable. And I think, I mean, you've said, I think, Nathan, haven't you, that confidentiality yeah, exists I mean, for one reason, but in reality, it exists for another. Yeah, I think the theory, and I'm, you know, in, in other areas, I'm sure guilty of. We love a Bible verse that we can use to, as a bit of a shield to challenge, uh, as a shield against challenge. Maybe it's in some issues, and I think often people have picked up the, you know, not let your left hand know what your right hand gives, and things like that to say, confidentiality at all costs should be mm. protected. And ironically you know those those verses aren't about people not the, the risk isn't that it's that people were standing up and declaring what they give and mm. you know making huge shows of it that's that's not what we're at risk of yeah. and yet that's often so in theory that's the argument but i yeah. think um in practice what that's doing is is stopping anyone having any accountability yeah. as to yeah. what, as i what mean you can give. carry on going to church and you can be committed in lots of ways uh you can be doing fantastic work in you know, youth work or children's work or whatever but I'm convinced a lot of people just never get round to it yeah that's my view I think a lot of people sit there and are convicted by a sermon on giving and think yes I must do something about it but actually you can walk out the door and forget about it as easy as anything so I'm not sure whether the confidentiality surrounding money actually does us any favors whatsoever it may still be right to do but I think it makes the whole thing of raising money 10 times more difficult uh, yeah. than it would be. Because, as you say, it's it's not accountable. And of course, you other know, than to God. people don't magic money out of nowhere. Yeah. And so giving to God requires sacrifice. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and I think that is something when we're used to a standard of living, when we're used to, when, when we are convinced that things are essential, that are perhaps yeah. luxuries, um, then that's really challenging. It's not. It's no small thing, you know. And living in an area that it's it's uh, very uh, tight. Sometimes we're mortgaged to the hilt, and all these mm. different things. You know, um, it's not an easy sell. The idea yeah. that we must sacrifice. Mm. Um, but the truth is, and I th I think this is the truth, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I. I constantly engage with people who describe their situations and, and it sounds like they're under huge amounts of pressure but it's not necessarily to survive it's to keep up yeah. a certain standard of living yeah. and um, not only does giving mean that you may lose some of that stuff but actually it can be liberating that yeah. you're not having to mm. keep chasing keeping up with the Joneses and all of those things yeah. to, to choose so should we take people's money because it's good for them 
Well, I, <laughs> I, I, I think that um, there is a liberation in yeah. um, in setting lighter to some of those yeah. things. And, and in sacrifice, when we see that benefit others, I think there's yeah. more to be gained there than and it's uh, to me it's a bit about learning to live below our means as well rather than stretching ourselves to the absolute maximum of our capacity well of course if you're stretched to the maximum mm. capacity then if someone in church comes along and says well do you yeah. give to god it's a, it seems like an outrageous question but it's it's also risky because if you lose your job well you're in trouble if you you know mm. if, if other circumstances yep. change you're in trouble so so i think a, a lifestyle of giving is actually really sensible in lots of ways as well mm. learning to live below your means and part of that being giving to others it's um i, th yep. I think it's healthy yep um i think it's also important to to mention just before we move on some of the arguments um for confidentiality so one of the big ones i think is um is that it puts church leaders particularly people like Stephen, it it protects you um i think from uh, perhaps a subconscious pressure so I'm not suggesting mm. that you would um, you would treat people differently based yeah. on how much they give to the church I'm not suggesting that yeah. at all but I think um, if you if you if there was somebody who was causing a problem somewhere perhaps and, and you knew you knew that they were a big <laughs> giver would you be sometimes they expect me to have worked it out <laughs> well you may it may put you in a difficult position yeah. where you perhaps uh, feel forced um, for the good of the church yeah. to treat people differently based mm. on the amount of money they give or don't give yeah. to the church. And, uh, that can very much, and this is where the Anglican system sort of helps you in some ways. The fact that you, I'm paid by the diocese, admittedly yeah. with the giving that comes from churches, including Christchurch, because if you're sort of, you know, you run a house church or whatever, and if you're big donors walk out on you that's part of your salary going mm. out of the door so you are protected a bit from that yeah no i i can i can see that that element you know it stops um it also stops people from giving for the wrong reasons as well for giving for the um because they know that other people are going to know how much they yeah. give it makes sure that everybody is giving for the right yeah i mean i think yep. i might have shared on here before possibly but i did go to a church once just just one sunday evening in in mm. belfast uh, martyrs memorial church and uh in paisley's big kind yeah. of institution that uh, but they they print their monthly top givers on their notes yeah. and news sheets yeah. <laughs> so they, on the back of it they've I got know. who's given the most well, this month. i think on i think on balance it should be confidential but all i'm saying really is that it is just so frustrating every other ch area of church life i feel that if i give lots of attention to and hard work to that you see progress yeah and it's the only one where i feel that you know you can often feel as a church leader that you're banging your head against a brick wall because mm. there's no teeth to it. Yeah, you're driving the handbrake on, really. Yeah, it's like if I was appealing for week after week for new Sunday school teachers and people said, well, it's no, it'd be completely wrong, Stephen, if you knew who who worked in scramblers or who worked in climbers. You know, you shouldn't know. Um, <laughs> and so if I had no idea of sort of how many more leaders we needed for each group or who was actually doing it, that would be an equivalent yeah, to what yeah. I feel like over money. Okay. Uh, well, let's move on now to talk about men at home. So this is a group that you run, John, and it meets once a month in the lounge. So who is it for and what do you do? Well, if I go back to when I retired, which is about 20 years ago, uh, I realised there was nothing specifically uh, for the retired men, uh, you know, where they could meet together for an informal lunch, uh, chat about what they wanted to chat about, put the world right, as I might think, <laughs> and, and so on. Uh, so I, uh, I uh, got together with two or three others and we started Men at Home. Uh, and we've, 
we've gone on over this time and uh, people have come and go uh, but come and gone shall I say but uh, they uh, uh, they seem to be in good heart generally uh, they're encouraged by what we do uh, we have a, an informal light lunch uh, no uh, no large uh, meals normally we do have a, uh, a cooked meal of some sort which we had this week for the festive Christmas lunch ah. yep. and uh, and I think that was that was enjoyed by all who came. So uh, that was good. We uh, uh, we have people who come from other churches, two or three, and uh, generally we found that uh, there have been times when uh, widows have joined us, uh, when they've uh, widowers, I should say, mm. uh, when they've uh, lost their loved ones, mm. and uh, they found it an encouraging group to meet together. There was a time when Arthur Featherstone used to uh, uh, run a, a Bible study for a number of them. Mm. Uh, we haven't had the same situation recently, but uh, you know we're open to anything that uh, uh, will help people to uh, uh, to move on in their lives. So uh, you know we've been encouraged by that, and uh, you know it's, it's good to have a focus for them if it's uh, even if it's only once a month where mm. they can. Uh, no, they can come and meet together. Yeah. Community is so important, isn't it, for people to have something they belong to, particularly yeah. when they've you know, lost someone dear to them or have a life change. I mean, retirement's a big, a big deal for a lot of people, isn't it? Yes. Um, yes. If people have been really active and um, it's given them purpose and direction, mm. for that to suddenly come to an end. Mm. And so, John, you've been running it for 20 years? That's right, yes. Wow. Yes. Just as you were speaking there, I realised that it may be the only group for men that's not clergy run or yep. staff run yep. at church. So yeah, that's that's even more impressive. Because yeah. often men, uh, <laughs> speaking as a man, are, are, are terrible at, at arranging our own community and, you know, will complain when it's not there. But uh, if a lot of women's groups at church are run by just women from the church and they, mm. they kind of know their need for community and... Um, and sort it out, I guess. Mm. Uh, whereas, perhaps I don't know, men sit lighter to the idea that we need community, but I'm convinced we do. Mm. Um, yeah. And it's great. Yeah. So it's good to know that there is a space for mm. people. Um, yeah. Well, there's that. And there's uh, men behaving dadly, which of course is the young dads group, yeah. which which again is monthly, but that's only been running for a few years. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, we've done one or two things for men. Uh, more recently, uh, dad's parenting course, things like that. Mm. But yeah, you're, you're right that most of them have to be laid on rather than developing sort of organically from mm. the men themselves. Yeah. And have you been the one leading it right from the start? Yes. Yeah, so that's quite a long time. You'll give that Sunday school teacher a run for <laughs> <her> money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so you're well going to beat Catherine Bunn's record. Yeah, <laughs> there have been times when uh, you know other people have stepped in to run a particular... Uh, I think a couple of months might bore run it uh, when I was uh, unable to get out and about very easily. And, uh, it, you know, there always is help in the kitchen with uh, uh, doing what's necessary. So I'm, mm. I'm pleased about that, yeah. So yeah. you never recruit in any uh, any wives to do any catering or anything? It's always well, there. I did see Joe in the kitchen yeah, this week. I mean, uh, for, for the that was the Christmas dinner, though. Yeah. The Christmas <laughs> one, she does come and, yeah. uh, and start things off. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, well, uh, the other thing is that the group's quite generous towards the Jonas Trust, isn't it, John? It is indeed, yes. Yes, we uh, we only ask people to provide something like a pound. I think more, most of them do quite a bit more now. 
but uh, any excess from the uh, cost of the lunch is, is given to the Jonas Trust, yes. <coughs> well, if we uh, move on now and talk about Christmas, Christmas is nearly here now. It's less yeah. than less than two weeks away. Yeah, it's rather come under the radar this year because of the 150th. I've really? got that out of the way, and I suddenly thought, oh no, it's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I did suspect that might be the case. They might have worked <laughs> I wish they'd thought about that in 1866. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't plan it very well. They could have delayed the building till January <laughs> or something. No, that you said, actually, it's a nice thought that they, they must have just had this lovely new building moved in, and, yeah. and it was Christmas. And you it know, was Christmas, yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's nice. So um, we have got, coming up this Sunday, uh, in the morning is the children's carol service. Oh, I love it. And yes, then, Stephen's uh, favourite. You wait till you see my costume. We mustn't say what it is, Oh, okay. but I have got a fabulous new costume for the children's carol service at great expense. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in the evening, it's the Carols by Candlelight concert as well, followed yep. by... Um, uh, well, concert. it's not a concert, sorry, <laughs> service. <gonna> <laughs> uh, and it's followed by mulled wine and mince pies. Yep. Yeah, that's probably my favourite. Yeah, uh, I really like <laughs> that Is that your favourite? Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I, yeah, I don't know, probably for lots of wrong reasons, but <laughs> all sorts of... <laughs> uh, I've become very traditional and uh, higher. Right. <laughs> Anglican oh, Christmas. no, there's nothing high about our candles I, by I candlelight. I wish well, all singing. of our evening services were done by candlelight. Right, okay. <laughs> well, we can have a power cut if you want. <laughs> And then uh, the week, so that's this Sunday. Yep. Um, and then the week after, that's a Christmas Eve, which is on the Saturday. There's the midnight communion. Yep. Service starts at eleven. At eleven o'clock, and then on Christmas Day, there's a, a united service at ten a.m. And then, even mm. though Christmas is on a Sunday, th- there's not going to be any other services. No. Like yeah, that. just that, and the same is true for New for Year's the, Day. For New Year's Day, so the first of January is also a Sunday. Yep. Ten o'clock on both days. Yeah, I love that Christmas Day service. Uh, I think I've said before, and look who's talking, is my favourite service of the entire yeah. year. Um, and uh, there is just a wonderful buoyancy, uh, an atmosphere of fun and celebration. And it's a wonderful, I mean, I'm not speaking at it this year, Tim Davis is, but it's a wonderful context to speak into um, because it's like you've had a big warm-up act uh, already um, and people are just so receptive uh, to whatever is, is yeah, said. Yeah, I remember your talk from last year. Yeah, well, there you go. It was, uh, it's More a wonderful life. It no, was, that was uh, two years ago. It's a wonderful oh, Christmas. Oh, sorry, I say last we year because we were in Ireland. That's <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, well, that was two years ago, and that was where I, yeah, off the back of It's a Wonderful Life, I thought, well, let's tell the Christmas story as if Jesus had never been born. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and go back and see, you know, what life would have been like for the shepherds or the wise men or for, for Mary. Um, and then we then we replayed it, you know, in the, in the light of Jesus being born. Yeah, no, it's great, and it's it's a um, it's a fantastic church to be vicar of, but never more so than at Christmas time, where there's so much energy and fun around mm. the place. Mm. What about you, John? Which is your favourite of all the Christmas services? Well, I was thinking about this. I think really the uh, the carol service is, uh, yeah. is the one that uh, means a lot to me. Uh, mm. We've enjoyed it over the years. We were glad it wasn't uh, truncated by the uh, change in the pattern of. Sunday services mm. and uh, is is maintained on that Sunday and uh, you know we really enjoy it I, I'm told I, I shouldn't sing because uh, as has been said elsewhere mm. you don't ask me if you want to yeah sing. yeah John we ought to talk about this I mean what is it about your voice that as you know it's your daughter I'm afraid to say who mainly spreads this around well, that's <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> no, she's I got a very uh, good voice so she must have got it from somewhere I, th- I think uh, my parents had reasonable voices uh, I'm not sure about my grandparents, but certainly <laughs> my parents. Uh, but uh, you know, it seems to have passed a generation by, and uh, 
you know, that's where we are. But, <laughs> <laughs> but John... I, I, I make a joyful noise, but it's yeah? only me who thinks it's joyful. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Oh, well, I won't ask you to demonstrate now. Because, no, <laughs> you know, John's in fourth place in terms of the church wardens, 58 church wardens of Christchurch, which is exactly the same number as the curates we've had. And uh, David Burton was 30 years, Reggie Ellis 27, a guy called Atkinson Backhoffner in the 20s uh, did 24 years, I think. And John's in fourth place with 16 years from 1985 to 2001. Who's the next closest? Uh, well, Ian Young Ian did Young. eleven years. Yeah. I think. I think it was Ian Young. Oh, so you, yeah, you're. It's a convincing fourth as well. I don't. Oh, it yeah. is. There's, there's a big gap. I doubt you'll be overtaken. <laughs> <laughs> well, people can always come back, but I'm not yeah. sure Ian Young will come back as well. <laughs> 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 rather, rather frail these days. Yeah. Um, well, that's all we've got time for this month, but it would be lovely to see as many people as possible at our Christmas services. Mm. So if you want a reminder or any more information about when they are, it'll be on the church website, or you can check the church Facebook page or Twitter feed as well. All the information will be there. Um, for more information about giving to the church as well, that's uh, on the website, or you can speak to Tim Lucas on a Sunday. Um, he's the treasurer. Um, and for any other information as well, you can find you can find on the website. But that's all from us. Um, see you next year. Mm-hmm.